Welcome to Stuart Group's Real Wealth podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO of Stuart Group. Financial planning is not boring. It can be exciting, fun, and dynamic. And we make sure to bring that energy into the equation one podcast at a time. To get updates on our latest podcast episodes, hit the follow button on our SoundCloud or Apple podcasts. Now with us today, we have a very special guest, Rob Douglas from Added Valuation with us in the studio today. Rob is a registered valuer specializing in the provision of residential, lifestyle, commercial and industrial valuations within Hawke's Bay. He is here today to talk about the property market and some statistics. Welcome, Rob. G'day, Nick. Great to have you here. So, Rob, what have your observations been? You know, you were you're born and bred in Hawke's Bay. I've known you for a long time, and you know, you moved back to Hawke's Bay and have been valuing properties for near on uh, two decades now. What are well, you know? What are the major commercial, industrial, rural, and residential changes? And what's your feeling across those four facets over that period of time? Um, well, look, I guess over that period, we've seen two property cycles. We saw, in fact, we haven't actually completed two full cycles yet. They are quite long cycles. We saw the the boom period from 03 to 07, and then another one starting in 2014, which is still going today. Those cycles coincided both residential and commercial at the same time, and I think that's not that's not luck. I think the, the cycles tend to go hand in hand. In, in both cases, when the market went forward, it went forward initially on some pretty sound fundamentals. Population growth, reducing interest rates, this, this cycle at least, an overdue period of growth. You know, between 07 and 2014, we'd seen virtually no real change in, in market values. Over that period, we did see wage increases in the economy grow. Um, and fundamentally, this time around, KiwiSaver um, meant that a lot of buyers, particularly in that first home bracket, had access to good deposits, which they hadn't previously had before. And so I think we saw a property boom starting based on some pretty sound fundamentals. Um, what we've noticed in, in both booms is that as you get further into the boom, it becomes more about a perception of where the market is going rather than what had initially driven the market, mm. you know, which is a, a shortage of supply and a capacity to buy. Yep. Um, with, the, uh, with the other sectors, say uh, industrial, we've seen real value growth uh, and strong demand over an extended period for industrial. We're now currently seeing very low vacancies even poor quality space is getting well lit. Yep. Uh, strong owner-occupier demand. Rental growth is evident. And, and you know, you, you can't find the land. We're seeing demand into uh, Awatoto and uh, Iron Gate, which previously had been, you know, just sitting there with potential in the future, um, but, you know, servicing issues, yep. particularly in Iron Gate. But, um, you know, that's now being snapped up and development happening out there. Yeah, so, so in terms of, of what you're seeing, in terms of the rental levels paid, if we've got a relatively shallow period of growth, I mean, like, you know, New Zealand doesn't grow at the rate of China. You know, we don't grow at 7%. We grow at somewhere between 25 uh, and 3.5% um, on a yearly basis. Are you seeing that the 
effective percentage of the profit loss statement being allocated to property is increasing? Are people having to spend more money on rental than they would have otherwise in the past as a share of the revenue? Probably not um, on the whole, um, but it does depend a bit on the sector. So we've seen really strong rental growth in the industrial sphere, but we haven't seen that same level of increase when it comes to, say, retail or office, except in that prime space. So what we've seen in that, that area is very marginal growth weak demand for off-trend space, whether it be location or just becoming outdated. Whereas, you know, industrial has been more, it's just more fundamental in terms of can the space fulfil the need? If it can, you know, actually it doesn't really matter too much if it's a bit outdated, it serves a purpose. So Rob, with the record low interest rates, you know, interest rates that you and I have never seen before, our parents or grandparents for that matter have not seen uh, rates this low. How has this affected the Hawke's Bay market over the last 12 to 24 months? Oh look, Nick, um, it's, it's very much driven down the cap rates in, in, in a corresponding way hmm. to uh, I guess the investors opportunity cost um, in terms of other investments. We have seen you know, the 8% Yield back a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago, is now your five and a half percent yield today. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. if, if I give you an example hmm. of a um, very recent sale, 200 Southland Road, which uh, is tenanted by Pet Essentials, um, back in 2013, uh, that sold at a 8.13 percent yield, um, just sold in November for a 5.7% yield. You know, over that time, this is an example of where we haven't seen that rental growth, although this mm. was a CPI-indexed lease. Um, but the the rental changed in that tenancy from uh, 68000 to 69700 um, and the, um, the, the percentage of its value increased 46% during that period. You know, probably 98% of that increase was attributed to the reduction in the cap rate. That's, you know, perhaps a, uh, a more extreme example, but actually fairly representative of the reduction in cap rates that we are seeing out there. Yeah, that's some big numbers. So, so it's interesting. So when you reflect on that, say, well, let's say the, um, the effective net rental um, has basically not moved at all. So the new buyer that's coming in, um, they would be, they'd probably be in a worse cash flow position than the original person that bought it back in the day because, of course, the, the actual running yield versus the, the running yield has declined so much. That'll be a net revenue that I was talking about, the 68 yep. net rent. Um, but at the same time, you know, their lease term has gone from about six years to down to two and a half, and yet that yield has fallen so significantly. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's a a massive number for people to think about. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen that across uh, multiple examples and across all sectors as well, you know, be it industrial or commercial. Yeah, so it makes you think that therefore, you know, should the cap rates um, unwind so to speak and go back up, a little bit like the bond market, that therefore you'd expect if um, the rental levels in dollar terms were to remain the same, then there would be eventual an unwind of capital value. Yeah, I think uh, 
it's pretty clear that you need to be wary of which sector you're investing in at the moment and where that value growth has been driven from. Um, We're seeing perhaps greater growth having come out of um, rental levels in the industrial sector and probably prime commercial prime office, whereas we haven't seen that for that secondary quality, fringe located um, office or retail space. Yeah, intriguing. And, and are you seeing that through the market where properties, a little bit like in the residential sector, where properties that you know may have been uh, built during that kind of um, early 90s period where there was monolithic cladding, et cetera, and we're seeing that those residential houses are actually transacting, whereas in the past they didn't. Are you seeing it with the commercial and industrial space where buildings have a possibly a lower NBS standard uh, that they're moving as well now? I think the market has developed a reasonable understanding about the risks and about the solutions to the MBS issues. Um, So I think the discount that applies to those perhaps no longer has the super profit associated with it that we perhaps saw immediately after these issues came to light. Um, So the, the, the discount now applies really to the cost and profit and risk for remedying those issues. Um, You might have seen an extra $100,000 on top just because there were very few participants in the market prepared to take on such properties earlier on in the the cycle of this issue. Um, So where have you seen the key property hotspots? Look, residentially, you know, I mean, I guess if you go back over uh, a longer period of time, uh, clearly Ahureri and Hamlet North have mm. been exceptional and, and very well performing markets. Uh, we've also seen enormous growth out of those first home buyer markets, your Mariah Nui's, your Flax Mears and your lower cost Hastings. Um, there's been really good growth out of Central Hawke's Bay um, where people are prepared to take the travel on for that discounted purchase price. Um, and I guess looking forward, um, where would I be putting my investment dollars? Um, I'd be sort of inclined to think that Napier, general, you know, middle middle price range Napier uh, or Havelock North would probably be fairly reliable uh, performers. You know, assuming that, you know, we, we know we're not at the beginning of a property cycle, um, upward cycle, um, we're probably in the latter stages of it. It's really hard to predict um, when the market's going to turn. Um, but uh, one would think that, you know, it's probably a time to think about consolidating rather than uh, investing in those high-risk, um, more subject-to-fluctuation markets. Um, and I would say that, you know, your middle-price range, larger towns, you have a could be consistent your um, Napier, your Hastings, should be reasonably reliable in terms of investments. Um, in terms of industrial type space, I think, I think that would be reasonable, solid market to, to continue to invest in. I think there's going to be continued strong demand there, um, but I would tend to look to focus now on more improved industrial space. Industrial land or land assets in general 
tend to fluctuate more with a, a cycle. So they'll go up strongly in a, in a strong market and and could soften in a, in a weaker market. Um, so I, I think I'd be you know looking for your well-lit, good quality, improved industrial property at the moment and very much the same thing for your retail or your commercial space. And where do you see the opportunities for people to add value to their existing property holdings and also where they may be looking to expand or reduce their holdings, you know, bearing in mind this podcast, of course, is not financial advice and is a generic discussion on all things property? Yeah, sure. Look, um, again, uh, it depends on the property type. Mm -hmm. Um, With the residential property, in terms of adding value to to their existing property, um, look, I always think the easiest way to do this is simply by touching up the surfaces, make it look good. It doesn't need to be, um, you don't want to be getting the, the builders in and redesigning the place. Fundamentally, your coat of paint, your carpets, your curtains, um, you know, your light fittings, that sort of stuff is what really is the, the most efficient way, cost versus value, mm. way of adding value to 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 your property um, I would st- steer well clear of investing in double glazing and um, <laughs> insulation which your purchaser just sees through they don't don't necessarily uh, pay a significant amount for despite their significant costs at times yeah just a question on that with um, have you have you ever seen properties that are fully equipped with solar paneling do they trade at either and I've seen commercial and industrial properties not just resis but do they trade at a premium or do people, they just don't even really think about it? Yeah, I think that's that's certainly a factor. Um, I think there is something in it, but what it really requires to make a big difference in terms of value is competing interests, um, paying premium for it. You know, we, we don't necessarily see an awful lot of that. I, I think uh, it's very difficult to measure mm. which components are, you know, specifically making a difference in terms of value but um, you know for example we can clearly see that a property with garaging for example sells a whole lot better than one without you don't see that kind of premium being paid for the property with the solar panels versus the one that hasn't in terms of adding value to uh, your commercial or industrial portfolio um, Look, I think there's actually plenty of scope out there to transform those maybe dated or secondary quality commercial industrial properties. They do respond well to being upgraded, retrofit and, um, you know, securing good quality tenants on long lease terms, which you just can't achieve without doing that, you know, renovation work. Um, you kind of get a premium for your improved quality, but then you also get the premium for your improved lease terms. I just think you need to have uh, be very clear on where and what market you're targeting and have a fallback plan in, in, the, in the eventuality that you can't find that tenant that you need. Sage advice. What do you expect Hastings, Napier and Havelock North to look like in 10 years' time? Oh, Nick, I think you're... Your guess is probably as good as mine because, you know, it's a, it's a pretty long horizon there. Um, but I think, um, you know, we've, we've got to be cognizant of the technological change which is going to happen over that period of time. It is um, 
going to have a uh, a big diff, you know, make a big difference to to where where it eventually goes. But um, I think the other thing that's going to play an important part is council regulations um, and what they will allow and won't allow to happen. Um, but um, you know, we we'd envisage that um, there is strong demand for more intensive residential. Um, which perhaps is not being well catered for our current bylaws. Um, if that planning, those planning rules were to be freed up, um, I think we'd see a lot more growth in certain sectors as the baby boomers hit retirement, and we're seeing a real trend towards baby boomers now entering that sort of 70s age range and, and, and downsizing, but not yet being ready for the you know, retirement village. I guess the um, retail scene, um, I'd expect that to be moving more towards a service-orientated provision. So your cafes, your bars, um, rather than, and you know your strip retail for the enjoyment factor, um, rather than um, you know just simply I need to get that hammer. Mm. Um, with office space, I would expect a move toward. Uh, more flexible working environments. It's everyone's getting more mobile. Um, there's been massive trend in the US and, and Europe toward um, hot desk type office arrangements. Uh, this isn't a, a trend we've really seen in Hawke's Bay yet, um, but I would say that that could well be sought after. So yeah, it's hard to know where that demand growth will go with office, but uh, I'd say there will be a real mix of the traditional office in, in preferred locations, particularly we're seeing Ahuriri and um, Havoc North increasingly demanded, um, uh, and that hot desking type arrangement as being a, a factor. Um, and I guess industrial, I'd expect it just to continue to be pretty strongly demanded in line with the way the local economy is going. Um certain things have to be made locally and, and I guess we've already got rid of the stuff that can be made in China so mm. you know from here on in it's um, it's local local produce so I don't, I don't yeah don't see that demand weakening mm. and in terms of say let's look at um, so you know you and I both um, we both reside in Havelock North um, and and yet we work in uh, you know we don't work in Havelock we work in Hastings what do you see between, like at the moment, you've got uh, a lot of businesses moved out of Hastings, went to Havelock North, paid a premium on a square metre basis, quite a substantial premium versus what they could have got in Hastings. Where do you see that? Because, I mean, look, like these are colloquialism, uh, cricket balls throw away from one another. They basically are. You could walk from Hastings to Havelock, and yet some people are prepared to, um, you know, uh, slice off their bottom line forty to $70,000 because um, they're going to pay a rental premium in Havelock. It's always puzzled me. I'm, I'm curious to know what you think. <laughs> well, look, you know, I, I've um, actually moved our office to Ahuriri. You know, fundamentally for me, it was about being able to recruit the right staff that will generate the revenues. And to me, the, the actual rental cost on a lot of these businesses is kind of immaterial to the overall operating costs. Yeah. Um, and so getting that right, getting that accommodation right, seems to be the main driver behind most people's decision making. There is a real shortage of good quality office space 
when you actually sit down and try and look for it. You know, uh, it comes up, but it gets filled pretty quickly. Mm. But it also dates fairly quickly as well. You know, it doesn't take much more than you know, say, fifteen years before the space is starting to get a little bit outdated unless it was really highly specced when it was first put on. Yep. And just thinking about Hastings, where you've got quite a... Um, where the local council are taking quite an offensive play now, really taking it to the market with you know laneways being punched through various city blocks and very embracing of change, when not much has happened for a period of time. When you kind of look out and look at what's happening in Hastings, you, you must look with some enthusiasm at the potential of what they could do. You're talking retail? Well, retail and commercial. Just yeah. with the fact that you've got a council that's actually prepared to get involved in effectively being a market maker, I guess you could say. Yeah, look, I think it's all going to help. Uh, I think it's hard to fight a general trend. Uh, you know, I think Napier and Hastings have both been active at trying to uh, lift their uh, traditional hubs but at the same time they are fighting against pretty strong market trends toward Ahuriri mm. and Havelock North mm. um, uh, look I think it's great because it lifts the overall average yeah. and um, you know we're all going to benefit from that yeah what what did you think about some of those recent metrics where and I it was intriguing because you know you know I, I frequently have a coffee or dine out and have lot north but I think the number was something like 45% of all the tenancies in Havelock North are hospitality or tourism related and that was like when you look around it's like wow it is but it's kind of crept up from a very low base when we were kids where it was one coffee house and a couple of dairies and a service station. Yeah. Whereas now it's phenomenal. Right? Oh, look, absolutely. And and this is what I was talking about. You know, that retail trend has to go to that service. It's yeah. all about, uh, you know, it's no longer about selling that hardware. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I, I see that trend only continuing. Yeah, I have a lot. Ahuriri, uh, case in point. Yes. So, um, Rob, thank you for joining us. Um, I appreciate your time in the last week of the uh, oh, last week of the calendar year, and uh, so we really appreciate you coming in to join us. This podcast will be released uh, in the new year when folks such as myself will be on holiday without a dishwasher, and uh, so I spend a lot of time doing dishes, and therefore I listen to a lot of podcasts. So. Yeah. yeah, good stuff, Nick. No, no, it's a pleasure to come in. Um, yeah, I'm getting away from it all and uh, going up to the Bay of Islands where I hope to do just that, get away from the dishwasher and, uh, <laughs> and maybe catch a little bit of fish. So, oh, yeah. well, Hey, well, look, safe travels to you and to all our listeners. Um, really appreciate you frequently tuning in to listen to uh, some sage words that we have from not just ourselves but from um, good local business professionals. So, um, Happy New Year. Thanks, Nick.